Hello, I'm Hank Gross, MidHudsonNews.com, and today we have a special interview with Beacon City Mayor Lee Kuriaku. Roughly 30 years uh, in public service, uh, all in the city of Beacon, right? Correct, since 1993. So you've seen a lot of change in the city. Yeah, we've been very, very fortunate. Um, you know, we were pretty much at, at bottom when we moved to the city, moved to Beacon in 1992, and I got on council first in 1993, and it's gone from, you know, how do you keep from going downhill further to nowadays it's it's about how do we keep from going uphill too fast and how do we manage our, our development and the repercussions from it. To look at it now, it's, it's made a 360-degree uh, turn times 100. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that we're the, you know, the best success story um, in in the valley, and we've been very fortunate. Part part of it has been good, um, you know, planning and kind of thinking through, you know, I know I know what what 1960s urban renewal and is supposed to be, and and no, that's not how it's going to work here. And how do we reset ourselves correctly? And I think we did that right. Um, I think we had some pretty good leadership and and a bit of luck. So. There was very little housing. There was, as you say, urban renewal came in, knocked down a lot of things. And uh, it seemed like the Renaissance started perhaps with uh, Dia Beacon, that, that area, uh, when, when they bought the old Nabisco plant and, and put the, uh, the art exhibit in there. Yep. I mean, that was sort of the, the seminal moment. You had to get, be ready for that. We didn't know how to get ready, but the, the big fight we had to have before that was we had to choose to shut down our sludge incinerator, which was on the waterfront. And, you know, as an industrial town, you know, the, the view was, oh, we should build another one. And it took a whole year to, to argue that one down. And once we said, nope, we're not going to make a new incinerator on the waterfront, we're not going to have an industrial waterfront, the parcels directly adjacent to what is still our uh, sewage treatment plant, but without the incinerator, were immediately bought up by, guess what, DIA, Scenic Hudson, and the Rivers and Estuary Institute. So that decision had to be done and done correctly in order to lay the groundwork for something like a DIA coming in. So, And, and what's interesting is um, your side of the Hudson has all of what you just mentioned, Scenic Hudson, DIA, the... Um, rivers and estuaries, and across the river, it has turned into a uh, more of a uh, traditional restaurant-y uh, tourism area in Newburgh. Um, do they complement each other, do you think? Uh, I, I think so. I think, I think uh, um, you know, that's been very helpful for Newburgh. Sometimes we look a little enviously over there, but, uh, you know, one of our waterfront parks uh, was our landfill, and uh, it's one of the legacies of Pete and Toshi Seeger, which is why, you know, I wanted to name it after them. Um, but the other one is, scenic, you know, was Scenic Hudson uh, buying the Long Dock space. They, they actually looked at a development for part of it, but now that you know, everybody knows it's sea level, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So a lot of it of our waterfront is parkland. That's a great thing. We just have to kind of develop uh, other bits the correct way, uh, like how we work our train station. But uh, it, it is complimentary, and I, I think it's a good thing. I know uh, Scenic Hudson at one point was talking about putting a, a green hotel down uh, as part of their property down there. That, that's right. And uh, the 2008 financial, you know, the mortgage crisis, um, you know, slowed that down. And then Hurricane Sandy demonstrated that uh, hmm, you may not want to build at, at sea level, right? And you talk about the, the birth or the rebirth of the city. 
other cities in the in the Hudson Valley are envious of Beacon now, and I have heard many of them drop the B word so many times. Gee, look at Beacon, look what they've done. We ought to try that kind of uh, approach. Yeah, the um, a, a lot of it was was rethinking ourselves um, on what our housing should look like, what our main street should look like, and what our waterfront should look like. And and it, it you know, part of it was saying we, we can't be industrial anymore. We have other assets we have to rely on. We have to phase out storefront apartments on Main Street, which was, you know, sort of a tough decision because, you know, what was going to replace it? Well, we didn't know the answer to that. Um, but we said something had to. And we had to protect our housing from kind of being cut up into um, lots of little apartments instead of single-family homes. And once those changes occurred, we kind of started heading in the right direction, um, which has been a good thing. That all said, in the current crisis, um, you know, we're, we're hit pretty hard, right? We have a, a Main Street that's come back. We have a lot of um, those stores that are, it's a very long Main Street that's dependent on restaurants and retail and weekend traffic, um, all of which, you know, all those businesses and their employees are suffering. But I think we will come back. Uh, we're, we're very popular. We have been very popular. I think we will be again. So, But uh, right now it's tough. I think once um, the, the Hudson Valley and the greater city of New York area open up, uh, you're going to see a lot of the New York City folks uh, say to themselves, well, gee, do we want to hop on an airplane just yet? Let's uh, take the train north or, or let's hop in the car and go north. And the logical places for the restaurants and the, um, the uh, antiquing and so forth, the antique shops uh, are right there with you. Yeah, and um, I, I think that will continue to, to make us popular. Um, I think we have to manage it uh, effectively. You know, we're we're uh, up until the health crisis, we've been you know we're very busy on weekends. Um, I started up a Main Street Access Committee just to look very specifically at how do we handle parking and traffic and pedestrians and bikes on Main Street effectively. Um, and I think those issues will come back. So we're, we're, we keep doing our work. We just uh, passed an ordinance on how high we want buildings to be on our Main Street. We're, we're working on how we connect Main Street to the waterfront. We're working on this Main Street Access Committee because, you know, people are coming back, will come back. I, it's hard to say right now, and there's a lot of suffering, but they will come back. And um, we, we want to, you know, be able to continue to thrive. Talk about the, the height of, on uh, Main Street for us, that new law, please. Um, right. The uh, You know, when we redid our plans in the um, uh, early 2000s, um, we thought we needed uh, an incentive to encourage density on Main Street. We have a very long Main Street due to uh, our history of being two separate villages that grew together. And the view was that you needed uh, people living right close to Main Street to make it work in the long run. And as you say, remembering what our Main Street looked like in the 90s, 80s, 70s. Um, and so that allowed for up to five floors. Um, we pulled that back as soon as we found uh, the first ones, first floor floors coming in. We pulled it back further this month by saying uh, that fourth floors were no longer a matter of right in the zoning, but rather a, a matter of um, what public benefit can you provide. So we've put into the zoning that a fourth floor requires an approval by the council or the planning board considering either things like uh, affordable housing built into the development, uh, additional commercial space not on the first floor, um, green space, public space, 
um, you know, those sorts of public benefits. And I think that we're popular enough where we can ask for it um, and that builders are smart enough to figure out how to make their numbers work and to improve our community as opposed to just, you know, bringing density, which we still want the density, but we want the other benefits too. Last year, there was construction of the two projects across from one another on uh, Main Street, uh, mid-Main Street area? Yep. Uh, uh, yes, at North Elm. And they were, is that the same uh, developer or two separate developers? Those are two separate developers, and, and those are the last buildings going up under the old um, fourth floor regime. In fact, um, those were approved prior to our first set of changes a couple years ago. The the first set of changes said you, you couldn't build straight a fourth floor right onto Main Street. You had to step back the fourth floor at least 15 feet away uh, from either Main or the side street so that it didn't look quite as imposing. Um, that's still in our, our zoning. And, you know, the restriction this the past uh, week or two is to kind of further and make sure that we're choosing what we want as opposed to allowing every, you know, fourth floor to go up. So I think we're going to see fewer of them. I think, you know, developers, um, you know, need some uh, enough uh, square footage to make their numbers work, but, but you know, it's no longer a one-sided trade-off. It's much more going to be a, uh, an even-handed approach to what can you provide to the community if, if you want that extra space. So those two developments are, are almost done. Obviously, they're stuck right now because of the uh, construction pause, but, but they will finish, and, and I think we will do well because in the medium term, I think we'll remain very popular. And as you said, people will continue to want to both come here on weekends but also move here for permanent. Are they they're going to be condos? Um, I think one side is condo. The other side, I'm not so sure about whether it's condo or rental. Um, They'll probably uh, rent slash sell uh, in pretty fast order, I would imagine. Yeah, and it, it's um, um, you know hard to tell right now today because things are so um, uh, you know upside down due to the health crisis. But I I think when things settle down, that um, um, you know when you See, so we're attracting people from the city who have those sorts of uh, incomes that um, you know can afford newer places. I think we'll be okay. Um, I think the trade-off is that we have to work on issues that we never had to consider before. I think we've got affordable housing issues. Um, so you know, I, I think getting our mix right, getting our parks and amenities going, um, are, are all new issues for us as opposed to you know things we don't have to consider. I think we do. So the, the budget, uh, we're hearing from all the uh, municipalities, uh, all the budgets are, are taking big hits now with uh, major losses in sales tax and mortgage tax and room tax and heaven knows whatever else. Um, have you projected what uh, the city could potentially uh, lose over the course of a year because of this uh, pandemic? Yeah, so, you know, Hank, you know, I've been in the in the banking and finance most of my career. I'm a budget person and a planner, so we looked almost instantly at those issues. Um, we actually think we're in reasonable shape for at least for a while. 
so I, I don't want to project too far into the future. But uh, compared to a number of the uh, neighboring cities who didn't have um, much in terms of a fund balance, fund balance is basically how much is in your short-term savings account as a community in case you have some kind of a hit. And, and we actually had a cushion there. So I, I think we have some flexibility for a while. Well, that's good because we're hearing uh, Poughkeepsie $5.5 million uh, shortfall, and, and Newburgh has been a uh, fiscal mess, if you will, uh, yep. for the longest time. So it's it's good to hear that Beacon... Uh, uh, so worse comes to worse, you'll just tap the uh, the um, uh, unappropriated fund balance if you had to. Yeah, that, that's always what you go to because communities can't borrow for deficits. You can borrow for, for capital investment. And so, you know, how much, what, where, where the state of your fund balance is has a lot to do with with what you can weather. Um, the communities that were, you know, had gone negative and were replenishing, I think, are in a harder spot than the communities that were in the positive in terms of their fund balance. That said, uh, I'm, I'm very supportive of um, the cities getting the necessary aid because, um, you know, from the state or the federal government, because we're, we're all going to need it. Just because one is a little better off than another doesn't mean that as a group, cities are, are where the rubber hits the road in terms of so many of the services and requirements and needs. Um, so I, I, I think we will all stick together, and we're, we're going to need we're going to need help. Uh, and it will be differential, right? If one community is is a little better off and another one's you know got a bigger pocket of poverty, then we should be differentiating. But we're all going to need some help. Now, Beacon, uh, in the in the years gone by, uh, had a lot of um, socioeconomically disadvantaged uh, residents. And they were living in uh, homes that were converted into multi, multi-apartments multi and so on. But everybody, every community is talking about the need for affordable housing. Uh, I remember it's got to be maybe 30, 40 years ago when uh, they broke ground for the, uh, the Hamilton Fish Senior Housing Project. Yep. But it seems like no matter what we do, there's always a shortage of affordable housing. Yeah, and, you know, our situation, you know, has changed. Beacon... Um when we first got, I, I moved to town. You know, it was one of the it was the poorest community in the county in terms of income, and um, you know, obviously that has shifted around. But our, our housing stock, 20% of our, our units are still affordable or subsidized or you know, uh, federal or state programs, and so that's a substantial portion of our housing stock. Where we and we're, we're keeping that, right? We're not losing that in any fashion. What we have. What's been the big change has been the private housing stock, which was very, very affordable, now has gotten more expensive and has had the ability to get fixed up and is much nicer. So that's starting to shift. And so we need more in that middle section in terms of affordability, which is where we've been focused right next to the uh, City Hall here is a new project with state you know, funding that is um, 75 affordable units out of, I think, three-quarters of the units had affordability requirements, which is a great thing. Um, we will probably look for, you know, more of those that we can find on city-owned land or space that we can make accessible to the right builder with the right funding from the state for those sorts of programs. Because I think that, that middle ground for us, that affordability in the kind of uh, working or a class area is is what we're going to need help on now in Beacon. And then if you go down uh, 9D, I guess it is past City Hall, you've got all the um, 
private homes that have developed over the years, which uh, weren't there 30, 40 years ago, uh, that, I imagine, has to add to the tax base. Yep. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of our development is basically in the area that laid fallow from urban renewal. So, so much of uh, uh, along what is now 9D uh, was torn down. A lot of it was rebuilt, but a lot of it was not. The part that was rebuilt is is pretty affordable for housing, and, and it keeps being affordable because we have a real mix of housing in terms of the range and the size and the age and the quality. Um, and, and that has helped our tax base. The new construction is helping our tax base as well, which is one of the reasons we're in, in better shape because um, you know, a lot of new housing has come online, and, uh, the, and that helps financially. Now, a year or so ago, uh, also around City Hall, there was the, uh, the luxury uh, condos were built. And uh, uh, to your knowledge, are they all uh, sold? Um, you know, there, there's a set that came online along the creek. I think those um, sold or rented out. There's a set that came online closer to the Hudson, which I think is not wholly online yet. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I think they will get there, but, you know, clearly there's been a pause because of the, uh, the health crisis issues. Uh, I, I think it will come. Um, they may, some of the builders may uh, have set a price point that's a little bit too high, um, but that's their decision. And if it stays empty because of that, that's kind of their, their call. Uh, obviously, they could fill them if they wanted at the right price, and uh, that's a, a business decision they make, not us. What about the, uh, the ferry service that uh, was tried for one week because uh, one weekend, the following weekend, uh, the weather uh, killed it? Your thoughts on that? Do we do we need it on the weekends? So, um, you know, I'm a commuter. Uh, you know, I've always, almost always worked in the city. Um, I don't have to commute now, and I haven't been down the city for two months. But the ferry has worked best because when it when it works with the uh, commuter um, times on the weekday. To go to weekend ferry is, is basically saying it has to work for the the tourist industry, for the restaurants in Newburgh, for the people you know coming here that want to go over there or come back. Uh, I think we will get there, but that's a harder call financially. Uh, some people in Beacon say that um, a ferry service will just uh, help the restaurants in Newburgh, won't help us. Uh, I just think that's not correct thinking. The the right way to think about it is, you know, someone comes to Beacon, wants to go to Dia, wants to take a ferry ride. You know, I, I think those are all good things. I think we have such popularity that the more amenities and options that we add, I think it just incur, you know, increases our popularity. So I think we'll get there. I think we need some you know, funding and financing, um, but we'll find ways. Do we still have the, uh, the rubber trolley ferry, uh, rubber trolley, rubber tire trolley uh, on weekends? So um, we don't. Uh, there was some talk about trying to see if we could use a combination rail and uh, trolley and rubber tire trolley that would ride the uh, spur of our rail line over to our uh, one end of Main Street and then come down Main Street. That has changed. Metro North has uh, expressed the uh, intention to stop using the what's called the Beacon Line, which is the spur that runs from Beacon up into Hopewell and then over to Danbury. That is going to change how we think about these issues. Um, that gives us in Beacon the opportunity to build a rail trail 
um, and we're starting very quickly to kind of re- rethink and do our planning with that. So we don't have a trolley per se. We have we have bus service. Um, we're going to be working on our Main Street Access Committee on how to better support uh, pedestrian and non-vehicular Main Street access, and then we'll be building trails. So is Metro North looking to tear up the rails on the Beacon Line? I don't know if they've gone that far. And uh, they're discuss- they've made an application to stop uh, providing rail service. Apparently, that takes several years because, you know, freight lines and whatever have to weigh in. Um, I'm not sure they want to use the rail lines, but I'm not sure that they will tear it down yet. It's very preliminary. Um, but they basically told us we could start planning for, you know, non-rail uses on that line. The northern part of the, the line that runs from Beacon over to Danbury has already uh, started to convert to trails. So, you know, it's not like they can they can re-undo that. So um, it's coming, um, but the plans haven't quite laid out yet. What sort of uh, rail service have they been doing on there periodically? So they acquired the line uh, like 20 years ago uh, because it was um, just so so strategic for them because you could get from the Hudson line over to the Harlem line over to the New Haven lines without being that close in. It was, you know, kind of the outer arc to connect those. I think they've decided um, that, you know, while strategic and interesting, they probably don't have need because, as I said, the the portion from Hopewell over to Danbury is already starting to convert to rail trails. And, you know, the state has, has incorporated those areas into their statewide planning for Greenway. And I, I think uh, that's just the, you know, Metronor's choice. Um, and I'm Looking forward to developing plans for uh, trails. At one point with the uh, previous administration, there was talk about using part of part or all of the county facilities on Main Street. I'm trying to remember, was that for parking or for, for offices? I don't remember now. Yeah, I think our early look was just to open up the parking lots uh, for weekends. And we certainly are pursuing that because that's just an easy kind of quick win to, to get additional uh, parking on busy weekends when our Main Street has been full. Um, there's also some uh, planning that we're doing about uh, what's the proper uh, use of our, our building footprint uh, as a municipality and also the counties. You know, what county services do we think should be here in 10 and 20 years and where do we locate them? Same with city services. So. You know, we, we did a lot of work looking at firehouses, and, you know, our I think our eyes were bigger than our financial pocketbooks, and I'm looking to figure out how to do um, fire protection without breaking the bank. Uh, and that also, you know, may mean that we do things like shift uh, where city buildings are along the way. The county building is a possibility we're, we're thinking about. The firehouse issue, there was talk about consolidating. Has anything happened with that? Yeah, the, in the first month in office, I announced that we were going to exit one of our three firehouses. There's, there, you know, two of them are, are historic. They're beautiful buildings. And the one, uh, the city actually only owns a third of the building, and, and the oldest part of the structure of what's called Beacon Engine is actually owned by the fire company. And we've been um, doing the maintenance work in that half of the building 
which, you know, officially we shouldn't be doing because we were basically using public funds for a private entity. Um, so we we made the announcement that we're going to exit that building. We're, we're working with the volunteer fire company to figure out the appropriate use of that building. We may need it uh, when we do some construction for firehouses, but we, we don't need three separate firehouses in a city this small. Uh, it's that way because of history. Uh, the volunteer fire companies are way down in terms of volunteers, and in effect, day-to-day, we run out of our one firehouse on Route 9D, and we're just starting to move in that direction. So we're down, we'll are down. we be down to two shortly in terms of where our office, our fire rigs and career firefighters are located, and we expect to be down to one uh, once we figure out how to do the construction. Do the construction, we're adding on to the, uh, the main firehouse? Uh, that's what we're looking at right now. The, there were lots of uh, uh, studies to have a single firehouse. So everyone agrees we should have a single central firehouse. Um, the question is, you know, how much should it cost? When, you know, the first study, when you put three volunteer companies, one on top of the other, each with their own separate uh, facilities and, and bars and such, you end up with a, you know, 10 and $15 million facility. That, that's just not something we're going to be able to afford. So we have to figure out how to use the one reasonably recent firehouse, which is the one on 9D and Main Street, which was built in the 80s, and figure out how to make that work. Um, and that's what I've asked for. And we'll get, a, I think, a proposal that is you know, half or less than half of what the older ones were. Is Beacon Engine closed or shut down now? Um, no, not at the moment. We have announced that we will, you know, stop using it, but it's not shut at the moment. Um, I think uh, in the we were supposed to be ready to go soon, so it shouldn't be long from that. It doesn't mean the building will shut down. It means that we will quit using that building for housing one of our uh, firefighters and one of the engines. Uh, we're just going to be moving them into the remaining two. Uh, we, we have uh, three full-time firefighters round the clock paid in Beacon. We're moving to four, um, and we're just going to be housing them two in one facility and two in the other and, uh, as a temporary for the next several years until we sort out the long-term solution. So what would you say is the number one challenge, uh, COVID aside, uh, in the city? Would that be housing? Um yeah, I would actually read it broader and say it is uh, addressing the repercussions of our rapid, um, you know, rebirth, and it is a combination of housing, um, Main Street access, um, kind of uh, the the social amenities that comes with a, a more modern uh, community, kind of all those pieces put together. But I think housing will be one of those. Um, as I said, Main Street access, just, you know, how do we deal with parking and traffic on weekends uh, a second? But then also to, you know, what's our, what, what's our goal with respect to parks and trails and um, what makes the quality of life work? So I put all those pieces together and say addressing the repercussions of our rapid redevelopment. This has been a conversation with Beacon Mayor Lee Kuriaku. I'm Hank Gross.